Well, this morning, you know, I woke up and maybe like a lot of you uh, over the last while, just feeling a bit. Um, I don't know if you've had that feeling. If that sounds familiar, um, but you know, excited for for church, of course, but just feeling a bit down and not feeling terribly well prepared for message this morning. Uh, that's. I would like to say that's unusual. It's, it's not. Um, and just thinking about church and thinking all the restrictions and all of the, the things that we have to, to go through in masks. Um, then I was logging on and to print off the wee list of, of names from Eventbrite of all, all you people who'd be here. And we printed them off. And, and I was looking at them and I just saw all the names. And it just gave me a real, a real lift and made me smile. And just to, to see your, in my mind, to see your faces and uh, to be reminded that it's not ideal, uh, it's not the way we want to do it, but it is lovely that there are still people who want to, to meet together and we can worship God. And of course, worship is primarily about, our church is primarily about worship, the worship of God, but it is lovely that we're able to worship together, even in, in this way. So, if you've done nothing else today, if you do nothing else today, uh, you've encouraged me by, by being here and to know that there's people watching online as well. We read at the start of the service uh, about Matthew, uh, from Matthew, about Joseph. And we heard about how Joseph was, was visited by the, the angel and got this promise of a baby uh, who was being born to Mary. And of course, Joseph, he's just been going through a, a, dark, a dark time, a dark moment in, in his life. His, his fiancée, uh, Mary, and in biblical times, uh, their fiance, their engagement was even uh, more, there was more of a legal side to it than we have. They were legally bound together. So he, he, to break it off, he had to divorce from each other. And he just found out, or, or he thinks, that his fiance, this person who he's supposed to spend the rest of his life with, is, has been unfaithful. And she's, she's expecting a baby, and the baby isn't his. And he's resolving to, 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 to divorce her quietly as a just man. So he's going to do it quietly, not going to make a public scene or a fuss. But then he gets this, this dream in the middle of the night. And this angel appears to him, and we, we, we read it earlier. And the angel refers to two different names. One, the name by which this, this baby will be called. The angel says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew tells us, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And I wonder, you know, after uh, when Joseph gets that dream, and he hears the virgin shall conceive. wonder, did, did, did Joseph's mind begin working? And it's, it's not clear whether the angel said the words, uh, quotes Isaiah, Emmanuel, or whether that's Matthew. But either way, the, the fact that a, a, a baby was being born to a virgin. Joseph, a well-schooled Jew, I'm sure, had been taught the scriptures from, from, from he was no age. And his brain was working and thinking, oh, that, that reminds me of something, a baby born to a virgin. And so if we rewind the clock to about 700 years before uh, Joseph was ever born, 700 years before this dream, Joseph's mind would have gone to Isaiah chapter 7. In Isaiah chapter 7, there's, there's a king, and there's a king standing upon the, the walls of his city. 
And this king is, is looking out, and he maybe looks behind him, and he can see the city, and he can see all the people in the city going about their daily, daily business. And perhaps he can see that people look worried, people look anxious, people are, are, are fearful. Because if he looks out, and if he looks towards the north, he, can, he knows, and perhaps he can, in his mind's eye, he can see that in the north there is a, a huge army getting ready. And in fact, it's not just one army, but it's two armies put together. And in the north, these armies are getting ready, and they're coming to his city. They're, they're, they're mustering the troops, they're getting their shields, their, their spears, whatever else they had. They're getting together, and they're coming to his door. And all these people behind him in his city, he knows. And the people know there's this huge shadow looming over them. This army is coming to their door. But then if he looks to the, towards the east, he knows that there's an army there in the east. And, and this is a, a, even a, a bigger army than those two armies put together. The, the army in the east there, I feel like they're, the, they're the, the, the biggest bully in the playground. This huge army. And this king knows all I need to do, if I, if I send a messenger to that army in the east, all I need to do is make, make a deal. And the biggest bully in the playground will be our friend. And we get protection from the army in the east. And so there he is, if you like, sitting, standing on the walls. But he remembers as well, perhaps, that this, this is no ordinary city. But this is, this is God's city. This is the city of Jerusalem. And God had told the people that they weren't to make deals. They weren't supposed to look to the, the biggest bully in the playground for protection because the real king of this city isn't this king in Isaiah chapter 7 whose name is Ahaz. Ahaz isn't really the king of this city. God is the king of this city. And God had said, you're not to make dodgy deals behind the scenes for protection. You rely on me. But Ahaz in his heart thinks, I'm sending that messenger. I'm getting that protection. And then he's, he's met on the wall in Isaiah chapter 7 by Isaiah, the man of God. And Isaiah comes and he knows that Ahaz is having this dilemma, this, this debate in his head. And Isaiah is sent by God and he says, Ahaz, ask God for a sign. Now, in the Bible, we're told not to ask for signs, but sometimes God is gracious and, 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 and gives them. And he says, King you ask God for, for anything. Uh, whether it's, he says, whether the depths of Sheol or from the heights of heaven, you ask for a sign and God will give it. And God will prove that you don't need to go to that army in the east. You can trust in God. God if you like God is saying, I'll move heaven and earth to show that you can trust in me. And Ahaz, all of a sudden he gets religious. And he says, oh, well, 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 it says the law, you shouldn't test the Lord. So, so no, uh, thank you, I'll, I'll not ask for a sign. I'll just go with what I think is best. And uh, uh, Isaiah, uh, through the Lord, really has had enough by this stage. And he says, I'm willing to move heaven and earth for you. I will do whatever it takes to show you that you don't need to go to the east. You don't need to go to that army. You can trust in me. And so Isaiah says, you don't, you're not asking for a sign. I'm going to give you a sign. And there's a baby going to be born. And he's going to be born from a virgin. And his name's going to be Emmanuel. And that means God is with us. And Ahaz, you might be a terrible king. And you are leading your people astray. 
Because you see that army in the east? It is going to give you protection for a little while. That army in the east is going to come and they're going to protect you. But that army in the east ultimately will be your destruction. And King Ahaz, your line of kings is going to end because of that army in the east. The thing that you trust in will destroy you. And you as a king and your line of kings is failing, but God is with us. This baby will be a sign that human kings fail. And human strength and human plans and dodgy deals in the east fail, but God's promises are sure. You can trust in God. God is with us. And so, fast forward again, 700 years. And Joseph, after his uh, dream with the angel, perhaps he's in the morning eating his cornflakes or whatever they did in those days, and he's thinking back over this dream. Emmanuel, God is with us. And you know, over those 700 years, what Isaiah said they has came true. That city was destroyed, not by the army in the north. The army in the north came to nothing. But they looked for protection from the army in the east, and ultimately the army in the east came, protected them, but ultimately would enslave them. And the thing that they were trusting in became their destruction. But God was with his people. And by the time that Joseph comes in the scene, the people that Jerusalem has been destroyed, people taken away, and now they're back. But for 400 years, the last 400 years of those years, God has been silent. And there's been, been silence from God. been no Isaiahs, no Jeremiahs, no Ezekiels, no prophets. God has been silent in the land. And so Joseph, if you like, sits in, in two different types of darkness in his day. His land is in darkness because God's not speaking. And he's in his own darkness because of, of his own situation. And maybe reflects on what God is saying. That, that, that baby in Mary's womb, who to him seemed like the end of, of their relationship and a, such a betrayal, all of a sudden now is hope. And the darkness in the land, God hasn't spoke. Now God is with us. Emmanuel, that, that one word of the three words that Leanne mentioned earlier, God with us. All of a sudden, the darkness in Joseph's heart, the darkness in the land, a light has come on. Emmanuel, the angel is telling Joseph that God is, is with him and God is coming to be with his people. And when we know that, when Joseph knows that, suddenly things change. Because Joseph's plan, remember at the start, just man, he was going to go and, and divorce Mary quietly, which was, it was the, the, the just thing to do. But all of a sudden now, Joseph, we're told, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife. Joseph, when God's plan shows up, when we see God's plan, we see that God is with us. Joseph's plan changed. Emmanuel, God is with us. It changes things for us. And there's, there's two things I just want to think about this morning. And we're not going to be long. The first thing is, when, when we realize Emmanuel, God is with us, we're to trust in the promises of God. Trust in the promises of God. If Ahaz had have heard God is with us, he'd have canceled his, his plan. His plan looked, looked to the army in the east. He'd have called off the messengers. And though it would have been scary to call off the, the, his plan, his human strength, the strength of the army in the east, 
what Ahaz should have been. He should have known that his history, should have known his God, that he could have stood and faced up that army in the north with the protection of his God and king. But the thing that he trusted in ultimately was his destruction. And you know, so often that can be the same for us. If we put our faith and our trust in anything other than God, the thing which we put our trust in, ultimately it might give us short-term gains the way the army in the east protected them for a while, but ultimately will be our destruction. If we put your trust, maybe you get your strength, your trust, your plan for your life is, is work. I'm going to work hard and, and do my best. That's the thing that's going to give me protection and prosperity in life. Erin Callan was known as the most important woman on Wall Street. She was the chief financial officer for Lehman Brothers for a while. And this is what she said. She says, I didn't start out with the goal of devoting myself to my job. It crept in over time. Each year that went by, slight modifications became a new, mo- new normal. First, I spent half hour on Sunday organizing my email, to-do list and calendar to make Monday morning easier. Then I was working a few hours on Sunday, then all day. My boundaries slipped away until work was all that was left. She put her trust in her work. That became her strength, her plan for her life. And then whenever her job uh, was taken away from her, she says, inevitably, when I left my job, it devastated me. I couldn't just rally and move on. I did not know how to value who I was versus what I did. What I did was who I was. She allowed her strength, her purpose, her identity to be placed in her work. And it consumes her and ultimately destroys her. And whether it's work or whether it's, it's success, whether it's sport, whether it's our own image, whether it's our, our appearance, might even be our family, whatever it is. If we put our trust in that, if we look, that's my plan. I'm going to trust and rest in that. It may give us a short-term gain. We might get a little success, prosperity for a while. Ultimately, we will end up sacrificing our, our, our future. We'll end up sacrificing our, our family, our own health, our own soul on the altar of whatever it is we put our trust in over God. God calls not to trust in our plans. Ahaz should have changed his plans. Joseph did change his. We trust in, in his promises. The promise of God is better than the strength of man or the popularity of man. Of course, for Joseph that would have been difficult. It's easy to, to think, of course he got a vision from the angel. But when Joseph turns around and says, I'm going to marry that woman, what do you think the, the neighbours, what do you think all the, the, the town gossip was? Oh, Mary, you'll see that. A baby out of wedlock, baby before marriage. And tongues would have wagged about Joseph and about Mary. It, it, it wasn't easy. It was a short-term pain, and sometimes there is when we, we trust in God, follow his promises. It can be difficult to make difficult decisions. Maybe short-term pain, but the promises of God are always long-term gain. We trust in the promises of God, and then we rest in the presence of God. Uh, this Christmas morning, um, we've decided rather than having a, a service in the church to which very few people or, or few people could come, we're going to have a, a, a meeting on Zoom. So we're going to meet on Christmas morning on Zoom, and that way everybody can, can join in and, and see each other and we can see the kids and, and all that. And it's not ideal. It's not. Because Zoom is, we're looking at each other on a screen, aren't we? 
And it's, it's, if you like, it's de-incarnate de or unincarnate. Whatever the, whatever, however you want to put it, it's the opposite of incarnate. Incarnate is in the flesh. We're together. At least this way we're able to do it some way. But on a screen, we're, we're not. Aren't we? we get tired, don't we, watching people on, and talking heads on screens. When Jesus came, Jesus didn't come on Zoom. Jesus didn't come uh, just as a spirit either. Jesus comes in born that little baby comes in human flesh and as Jesus grows Jesus knows humanity because he is human and he knows all the range of human experience he knows he knows what it is to have to decide between God's plan which is is difficult and, and man's plan which would be so much easier whenever Peter says to him Jesus do you really have to die you don't you don't have to die Peter's is the plan of man. Jesus knows his father's plan. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's not the plan of God. In Gethsemane, when Jesus is down on his knees praying to his father, is there any other way? Surely there could be a human plan which can avoid this this cross. Jesus goes with the plan of his father. He knows loneliness. He knows suffering. He knows loss. Emmanuel, God, is with us. And he's with us not as, a, as an impartial observer watching us. But he's our sympathetic saviour. He knows what it's like in all our range of human emotions. Because he, he, is, he was human. He took God, became flesh. He knows death. But he also knows life. He knows resurrection life. And he does bring hope. And he does bring peace. So our, our, I wonder this December, at the end of 2020, what's our, our hope in? And it's, it's easy, and in some ways perhaps it's, it's appropriate that we are glad that 2020 is coming to an end. And we celebrate the prospect of a, of a new year, celebrate the prospect of a vaccine and return to, to, to normalcy. That, that, that's good. But if this December all that we celebrate is the end of a year and a vaccine, if, that, if that's the height of our and our society's celebrations, if the height of our hope this, at the end of this year is a vaccine, that, that's great, but it's woefully short, woefully inadequate. And all the statistics that people parade about coronavirus and, and this time, the one perhaps we forget is that one in one people die. But we will all die. And we should prolong that life, put it off, or pr- prolong that um, prolonged uh, life and, and put death off. But ultimately, a vaccine, as, as great as it is, will only extend, uh, delay the inevitable. The hope of Christmas is Jesus, the Son of God, coming in to our world, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. That's our ultimate hope. And Christmas should remind ourselves of a greater hope than a vaccine, greater hope than just extended life on this earth, as great as that is. But Christmas is the ultimate hope of peace with God, of knowing God truly with us now and for eternity. So let's not forget over the next few weeks what our, our, our real and a deeper and ultimate and a far better hope where it is. And it's no coincidence that Matthew's Gospel begins chapter 1 with Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
and Matthew chapter 28, the very end. So it begins that way, and the end of, of Matthew's gospel, the last words in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus, the Great Commission, the last things he says to his disciples before he goes back to his Father, I am with you always to the end of the age. That Jesus' presence with his people isn't just for his time on earth, but now by his Spirit he is with us. So you're not a king on a city wall. You're not Joseph uh, engaged to Mary. But if we are in God, if we are one of God's children, if we're in God, one of God's people, then those, that promise is to you. He is with you. In the maybe long days when we were on our own, not see, being able to see people, staring at a screen, and perhaps the, the sadness of this Christmas being different from every other Christmas before. Whatever unique pain you're going through right now, whatever unique loneliness, uh, suffering you, you, you are experiencing. Hear Jesus' word to you this morning. He is with you. He is present in your life. And if you don't know that to be a fact for you, maybe this is the morning in which you say, I I need God with me. My plans aren't good enough. My plans fail. My plans fall. My plans ultimately will destroy me. Whether it's my work, my hobbies, my sport, my relationships, my self-image, whatever it is, whatever you put your trust in, it, it isn't enough. Your plans will fail. Your flesh will fail. But only God will be with you forever. Let me pray, and then we're going to, to sing again. Father, we do thank you so much. We thank you, God with us. We thank you for your son. He came into this world, took on human flesh, experienced the range of human emotions and is able to sympathize with us now in our weakness. And Lord, help us over these coming days and weeks to, to, to celebrate. Lord, uh, not, not just to celebrate uh, being able to see people again, not just to be able to celebrate food or, or, or family as wonderful as those things are. But Lord, let us also celebrate the, the deeper more meaningful, more eternal, more more lasting hope of Christmas, that you are with us. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his birth. We thank you for his death. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you for his life now as he intercedes for us. And help us now as we worship him. In Jesus' name, amen.